Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Doable Discipleship, a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your faith. My name is Jason. I'm on the spiritual growth team at Saddleback Church. And you may be wondering, uh, this seems weird. Why is there a Doable episode coming into my feed over the weekend? Well, that's because this is a special Doable episode. We were able to sit down with Pastor Ryan Nunez from Palm Valley Church. He's speaking at Talback this weekend, and we were able to have a fun conversation with him um, that we were able to release uh, right in the weekend he's preaching. So if you um, have not gotten to watch his message yet, I encourage you to do that, either by coming to a service at Saddleback or by going and watching Saddleback online, and you can find that at Saddleback.com. I encourage you to hear his message first because we got to talk about his message in the interview along with some uh, other fun stuff. He, it was a, a great conversation. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Ryan Nunez. Ryan Nunez, thank you so much for joining me today. Really appreciate having you here on the podcast. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me. So, so when I was reading about you, one thing that really stuck out to me was that you were doing this path of pursuing a PhD. I think you actually got your PhD, if I, if I read correctly, in yeah. material sciences. Now, first off, my first question is, what is material sciences? I have no idea what that is. All right. So it's, it's total. I use it all the time. It's so important to ministry. It I, sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> Um, so it's kind of the uh, cross between physics and chemistry. So studying how different materials work. So uh, most of my coursework was in the physics department um, oh, wow. at, at Arizona State. So yeah. Okay, I, I will I will not pursue a line of questioning around that because it would <laughs> go very poorly for me. It would go poorly on my end because it's been <laughs> 20 years since I, I got my PhD and I have not <laughs> had this idea of like, oh yeah, I can work faith and science in my ministry career and like, do all this stuff and then yeah. you get into ministry like I there's a lot of hurting people that I just need to deal with and like <laughs> reach every weekend like you can only do one thing well at least I can so yeah <laughs> I haven't really done well, much with my science background I'm sure the people in your church are really happy that you made that shift <laughs> but <laughs> most but, of the time <laughs> most of the time I'm sure <laughs> so what was going through your mind at that time I, I'm just curious what was going through kind of your heart and your mind as you were processing this this call to ministry, this I've been pursuing this, I've done all the way through this doctoral studies, which is which is not just you know an easy thing to do. That's a lot of work. So so yeah. I'm just curious about how how God was working in your heart and your mind as you were processing this change. Yeah, yeah. So uh, in a very um, in a very natural. So there wasn't like this moment. There was no you know like loud voice from heaven saying, you know, I don't want you to be a scientist, which might have been actually a little bit more helpful. Um, <laughs> but so when I started graduate school, I, I just finished undergrad I was doing engineering and my youth pastor uh, had gone to the Purpose Driven Conference, uh, was inspired by Pastor Rick to plan a church. And so asked me and my wife to come along just as volunteers. So we grew up in the church. I'm actually a third generation pastor. Uh, and my our thought was just wherever God takes us in career wise, you know, wherever the science career leads, like we're going to be part of a local church. We're going to serve there. So we were doing that through graduate school and the church began to grow and expand rapidly. And we were now leading youth ministry and just doing other things as volunteers. And over the course of probably like two years, like I'd, I'd gotten 
got through my my coursework, got through comp exams, so kind of the big hurdles. Yeah. I began to realize when I was waking up in the morning, I was thinking about the people in the church. I was thinking about the kids in the youth ministry. Mm. I was thinking about, man, I can't wait for this next weekend to see everyone. I wasn't waking up dreaming about the laboratory and my research. <laughs> and it was just this subtle thing that like God was giving me pleasure in ministry. Like it was, it was bringing me joy to do those things. And, and it wasn't that I, I hated the other part of it. Yeah. I think I could have been honoring God with my life, being a scientist. Like there, there was a pathway sure. to do that. It wasn't like rebelling, but God just showed me the joy in ministry. And then the fruit, like the church was growing and I was got to be part of what God was doing there. And uh, it was a subtle, subtle shift, but it was a, it was an intentional conversation with my wife because we're we're heading, you know, one career field with certain expectations, for <laughs> paying off loans and yeah. you know, places and all that to say, you know, I think God's calling me to to be the youth pastor here mm-hmm. or to be in, in ministry. And she's her only thing is like, just just finish the degree. So, yeah, I did. I finished up my dissertation. And then the next day from walking across the, the stage, <laughs> there's a mistake getting my doctoral hood. And yeah. then I was a full time youth pastor at a church that met in a high school. <laughs> so not even a real church, not even a real pastor and not even a real church. You pastor. I bet those church. conversations were fun when people are asking you at, at graduation. So what's next for you? What do you got lined up? And you're like, actually, let me yes. tell you. <laughs> the hardest one was my advisor because at the PhD mm. level, very much a collaboration, a mentorship. Oh, yeah. And I just remember being down in the basement where on the microscope, we're wrapping up research. He's like, all right, so what do you want to do for postdoc? I'm like, well, actually, <laughs> <laughs> feel like God's calling me to be a pastor. And he's just Have like, you heard about this church. Yeah. It's just silent. Like it's just dead. Like, we, we didn't talk for like a half hour. Oh. It, was, it was a bit awkward. Um, I, I can days later, Oh yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, he was, he was older. Uh, mm. He's in his seventies. I'm kind of one of his last students he was thinking. So oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was a little, get, little tense, yeah, but he came back I, a couple I, days later and he, he was kind of this gruff professor. He's like, well, at least we'll finally have a pastor who knows about science. <laughs> like he he trained the only pastor there you go that, there's a win <laughs> it's not true there's a bunch of them out there but um, yeah there's a lot of great ones out there now I've, you mentioned something that that I, I wanted to touch on again for a little bit because you talked about the joy and in seeing where your joy was coming from and, and to me that's such a it's such an important part to kind of understand that god can move our passions. He, he, he can shift the things that are really interesting to us, the things that we are thinking about, the, you know, and the things that um, that bring us that joy. Mm-hmm. And so, so seeing that, recognizing that, seems to me like that was almost like the big part for you. That was like, wait a second, I, I'm, th- I'm spending my time thinking about this. I'm more excited about this. So God, what are you doing in that? <laughs> exactly. And it wasn't a, it was almost like a, a dimming switch. Mm. So it wasn't like a light switch. Like one day I'm passionate about science. The next day I'm passionate about ministry. Um, it was a, a gradual shift over time. And, yeah. and I'm still, I still love science. I still, yeah. you know, read science books and, you know, it's, it's still a passion of mine, but it's not the, the highest level passion. Yeah. I think it's what I love about, you know, the, the shape profile and, and be able to walk through that, you know, what what are just those things that you enjoy your, your, your gifts and not just your gifts, but your passions. Exactly. And God was able to kind of transfer. So some of these gifts that were science gifts before were actually a little deeper than that. They're more organizational gifts. They were more, you know, being able to use logic and study and that transfers to any career field. I mean, you know, it wasn't just limited to science. Yeah. 
definitely definitely so so in all of that transition time that big change what did you learn about god in all of that man that's a great question so i think the thing that i learned about god was that first of all he's patient with me because as i was kind of wrapping up i was seeing some maybe some forks in the road that i missed earlier Mm -hmm. (laughs) he was given the opportunity to turn this way before (laughs) that but he gave me multiple off ramps, which was awesome. Like it wasn't just this one fork in the road and I never had another opportunity. Ah, you missed it. See ya. Yeah. yeah you missed it. Yeah. Uh, your life's ruined. You know, you, <laughs> never, you never recover. That God is patient with me. And that coming back to that, that joy part of it, like God loves me enough that he wants the best for me. You know, I love what I came, Jesus said, I came to say I have life and life to the fullest. Yeah. Uh, from John. And I, I just, I saw that in that season of my life, that he was directing me towards joy, directing me towards my passions. Mm. And he just wanted the best for me. Yeah. Loving it. Yeah. And a big part of that, it seems like it comes from recognizing his voice and what he's doing in your life in saying, yeah. okay, God, you may have a different plan than I had been thinking about. Like, what's happening here? <laughs> exactly. I went through... A similar thing when I, I, so I went to college for theater. Okay. Is what, so I, I did two years of that. And then I kind of had a, a similar experience where it just felt like that dimmer that you were talking about, where I was like, I'm not as interested. Like, I still, I still love this stuff, but I'm, I don't want to do this for school anymore. I don't want to pursue this. Yeah. And then it was kind of this open, okay, God, so what do you want to do? And that led to a couple of different roads that ended up leading me here. Um, but I, I can I can really appreciate that idea of of just saying, okay, God, you're doing something different. You are yeah. shifting something in my life, in my interests. Because for all I knew, this was my long term thing. Right. Right. And uh, obviously, you've known that this was not going to be the case. <laughs> but uh, it, so it's just it's fascinating to think about. Like, it's, well, I, would, it's, I would think your situation was a little bit harder because you. If I if I please, heard you go right, you know, God's turning down this dimmer switch of passion and theater, but didn't necessarily direct you to what, right? So for me, it was God was like turning this down and like directly pointing me to what was next. Well, you can feel lost in that moment if you don't know what's next. Oh, that's totally true. So so mine was, so I was working at a Christian bookstore at the time. And um, and at that time, I I started getting kind of interested in um, world affairs. Uh, I, okay. I, was, I, I was picking up these different books, you know, on, on that kind of stuff. And I was like, Oh God, maybe you are calling me into pursuing something around this. So I switched, I switched majors. Okay. To political science. Yeah. I ended up getting my master's degree in, in, in that focused on international relations thinking. And then, but literally I live in orange County. I live, in, there's not, that's not a field out here. That's just, there's yeah. no, there's no road for that. And so, but I was coming to Saddleback off and on at the time. I wasn't even, I wasn't a member here yet, but, but I was coming off and on. And it was at that time that we were plant, we had our goal to plant 12 international campuses. And, and I saw an ad for that in the bulletin. I saw something about it. I was like, this is like, I've been going to yeah. church my whole life. I've loved the idea of, of church. And I have this interest that I don't know why God brought this to me in terms of international relations. I was like, this is, this is it. And so that's how I got my foot in the door here. I started as an intern on that team, helped to plant our four international campuses as an intern, and then ended up making my way here on the spiritual growth team where I am now. But so I I have a a heart, a strong heart for people who are going through a major 
a transition in terms of yeah. what their life was thinking about. I, I, I can think about a guy on our team who, who just started on our team a month ago. A special shout out to Andrew, if you're listening. He, hey, what's up, Andrew? <laughs> he spent about two decades in the corporate sector, and he just joined our team as, as our team coordinator um, um, a couple weeks ago. So big shift for him to go from the corporate and, and shift into ministry. So I, I'm thinking of people like that. And I know that there are people who are listening, who are thinking about a change, who, who maybe feel God, God doing exactly what we were talking about, adjusting that dimmer switch, whatever it is. So what is something that, that you have learned through all this that you can maybe tell people who are in the middle of this process, who, who are still in the thinking phase, that is this something that, that I should do is it's not, it's scary. It's a risk. Is there something, some encouragement or some, some sort of wisdom through it? As you said, it's been 20 years since that change. Is there something that you can tell people on the back end um, who, who are in the middle of it right now? Yeah, I, I think that God used a, a couple things in that season, but I think that the biggest one was the fact that I was serving. So mm -hmm. I was actively involved in, in, the ministry of God. So it wasn't this kind of disconnected, Hey, I'm going to pull back and isolate myself. And like, really, you know, nothing wrong with praying and fasting. Like I, I did that through the season all, but like you can isolate yourself for the decision, but I was involved in ministry. I was involved in teams. I was, you know, doing life with people and God through that process showed a lot of what the direction was going. Um, I had some great mentors during that time. Um, that that weren't my advice in my thesis. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are you saying? Yeah. 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 Uh, I was I was listening to some other people outside of that bubble, which were were helpful, and not even just um, you know my pastor uh, that you know I was volunteering for, working for, but just other Christian friends and like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. Is this crazy? You know, someone's like, yes, this is crazy, but <laughs> yeah, I'm pray for you and and coming back. So so people, relationships, and then just be being actively serving, like. You, you can't disconnect like the, the work of our hands, the, the work of ministry from the discipleship process. Like God was growing me through serving. And if I had never stepped into serving, I wouldn't be in ministry today. Like I sure like God doesn't just pick up people from the pew. They're like, I'm literally doing nothing. Just sitting here, doing <laughs> church to, Oh yeah. Now, you know, lead something, do something. Yeah. I think, I think that's a really interesting point is the more that you are engaging in the kingdom of God, it seems, yeah. you know, so, so speaking, uh, uh, serving in a ministry, engaging in, in, in spiritual habits, that kind of stuff. Uh, the more that you are engaging in the kingdom of God, then the easier it's going to be for you to say, okay, God, I sense you doing something. Right. Like, let's talk about that. Right. It, it, it's, it's almost like it puts you more in God's key. If you're thinking about like musical keys. You know, like if you're engaging in in kingdom life, then it puts you more in key with God. It, it, right. So you can hear it's like, oh, OK, God, I can hear that a little bit more clearly. Whereas if you're in the season of wandering or the season where you're not engaged, that kind of stuff, then you might find yourself in a different key and you can hear God's notes every now and then through that. But it's like, wait, it's, it's, it's not it's 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 fuzzy. It doesn't sound as clear to me. Yeah, yeah. And, I'm, and, and I'm left more confused. <laughs> and, and for the shift that God was asking me to make, like, I, I had to be really certain that that's what I was hearing. Like, yeah, big deal. <laughs> it was a big deal. So, um, 
it, he needed to be loud and clear, but the only way was being involved in, in his family, being part of his family, part of his work. And the role of other people in that is profound because God can use other people to affirm what you think he, he may be saying. And, and there's, there's, there's power in that and having these trusted people, as, as you said, your mentors and things like who, who, who could speak in and say, you know, like I can, I can see, I can see how different you are in that field. I can see the joy that radiates off of your face as you're talking about the kids in your ministry that you've been volunteering with or whatever, like, you know? And so there's, it, 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 it helps to have that recognition from other people who see you in a different way than you see yourself. Yeah. 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 They're outside of my, my churning with it. Like I'm living with it every day. And I've, <laughs> you know, thought about every single direction that just someone to drop in and like me to share it. Like they can see clearly, they can see, um, yeah, a different perspective. Yeah. Uh, they're not as emotionally tied to the decision um, as, as I am, or, or even my wife too. Sure. She's a great sounding board, but even, but she has a, a connection to it. That's different than someone that's, you know, outside of our circle. Well, and for her, it's another, it's a representation of life change, like of everything, of everything shifting. You mentioned this earlier, you had a vision for how things were going to work out. And, yeah. and she did too. And it was, right. it was having to come together and say, okay, we're going to take this step of faith and just see knowing things are going to be a little bit different. Student loans may look a little bit different after all this, <laughs> after yeah. all this. Um, but we trust that God has more in this yeah. than just the security of, you know, of this other side kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That, that's really cool. I, I wanted to shift gears a little bit and talk about the weekend message that you just um, spoke here yeah. at Saddleback. So on this weekend, you spoke about loving unconditionally. Uh -huh. Powerful stuff, very difficult stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it about kind of just our ingrained human nature, just the, you know, the, the stuff that's in us that can make this idea of loving unconditionally so hard? As you said in your message, it's it, oftentimes is we, it, is we put our good intention forward, but we have these qualifiers only if or as long as and so what is it about us that makes it so hard to get rid of all those and just focus on the loving attributes i think honestly because we very well we don't receive that type of love very often so so my experience is that hmm. people love me to a point um, that if I cross a line, if I do something that's that's annoying, then then people leave. People um, don't want to, you know, be my friend anymore. We have all of these case studies throughout our whole life of unconditional love, um, and so we we live in that realm. We're taught that realm, and to love as Jesus wants us to love is, is supernatural. Like it's impossible to do. Yeah. So we have to practice it i think is part of it as well like being aware because i think a lot of these times we don't even think about the limits to our love in a practical way so uh, that's why i kind of took first corinthians 13 and broke down you know okay so what is love because if we keep it like this high level of like this this fondness this emotional love it's like oh yeah i, I can i love unconditionally am i patient unconditionally yeah. absolutely not <laughs> there's no way <laughs> patient unconditionally you know I have four kids, so like they push my buttons, like they ask the same question over and over and over again. I'm patient up to a point, you know. I'm patient to, for me. I'm a, 
I go to bed early. So I'm, I'm patient up to 8.30 at night. <laughs> but then after 8.30 at night, I'm a different person. Yeah. <laughs> but the way that I demonstrate patience is love. Like that's tangible love to the people around me. So being aware of that at the very practical level is, is important. But then also knowing that only Jesus loves us unconditionally. So we need his supernatural love in order to have any shot of being able to do this at all. We're never do it perfectly, but do it at all. I think that the point that you made about recognizing how other people, how it's not something that we experience is we do not, you know, often or even more so often, like almost ever experience unconditional love towards us. And even from even from your, your your early nature as a kid, as you're growing up, you know, I've got two kids. You have four kids, and we're I'm constantly talking about this with my wife. Of how are we messing up our kids today? Like you know, is is even though we have the best intentions, as you said, it it, it reaches a point, and 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 they they are growing up knowing that you know, or I'm, I'm sure it's that same sort of feeling that you were talking about of, well, I'm experiencing that wall. I'm experiencing, you know, I'm experiencing that. So, so that's how that's, I guess that's how it is. That's how I'm going to be. And knowing, I think for us, recognizing that is such a, it's such a huge element of being able to say, okay, I can recognize that, that all other relationships in my life, except for the one with Jesus is experiences this a conditional love and there's something that we can then do i feel like and i don't know what it is but there's something that we can then do to say i need to be aware of this and there's and i can take steps to counter it knowing we're not perfect nobody's perfect right. progress um, not perfection like if i can get just a little bit better every day and i have to focus on one area at a time like if i did think of like patient kind like okay let, let's just work on patience like let me try to have patience unconditionally um, because yeah, that was super parent, helpful. Yeah, I think as a parent, like I unconditionally love my kids. Like, yeah, I don't have conditions. Like, they can never do anything to keep me to stop, for me to stop loving them from from my heart. Totally. But my actions don't yeah. show all the time. Like, they don't feel my love when I'm short with them, when I'm unkind, like when you know I'm, you know, not not forgiving. You know, I'm holding a grudge. Like, yeah. they feel that disconnect of love, and it's that action. We try to separate the actions from what we feel inside, and that's how people experience it. That's and that's are. where, yeah, and having those open lines of communication about that, it sounds like it's, it's, it's so important. And to be able to go to your kid later and say, hey, I was short with you, and I, I, I apologize. Like, you know, let's talk about what triggered me, and then that kind of, if you have that sort of self-awareness even after the fact, and yeah. that vulnerability that humility to be able to go and say, Hey, uh, I messed up on here. I, I didn't act as I should have. I love you. And I'm sorry that right. that didn't come out in that time. <laughs> good. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All of these things can be remedied with a humble heart that asks for forgiveness. Yeah. Uh, you, you can always go to your kids. I mean, now maybe after the eighth time that you've blown up and you keep saying it over again, like something needs to change. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is a pattern, but yeah, forgiveness, being honest, goes, goes a long way there. So what is something, or I should say, what are some ways that we can think about our identity differently 
that would help us to love better? Is there some ways that we can think about who we are that would help us do better at this um, unconditional loving? Yeah, yeah. So here's what, what I try to picture, and I'm a work in progress in yeah. this. <laughs> but Jesus tells his disciples, by, by loving this way, the world will know that you are my followers. So it's, it's an apologetic to, to our faith, that our identity, the world will see Jesus through us. So I, I know Jesus, the, the Holy Spirit lives inside me. Um, the, the, the only reason I can love is because God has, has unconditionally loved me. But the way that I interact with other people, that's what people, people don't see my heart. They yeah. see my, so I want people to see my heart. So I have to demonstrate it through my actions. Um, I, I have to live this out in visible ways in order to point people to Jesus because God is love. <laughs> Jesus yeah. is love. Like if they want to see Jesus, I have to demonstrate it in that way of, of loving the way that he does. So thinking about that identity, that identity in Christ, how do I display that to the people around me? And once again, work in progress. <laughs> as long as we all acknowledge that we are works in progress, um, I think I think that's an important, you know, it, it, it helps. It helps if we set the framework up front. You're broken. I'm broken. We're works in progress. We're thankful that we have a God who is working in us, but who continues to work through us, even though yeah. he is still working in us. And yeah. so let's talk about this together. Let's talk about these issues that we, you know, this, how I messed up, how I feel like, like I didn't get that love that I was looking for from you. Let's kind of, you know, let's just, we can talk that through. And if we're, if we're both approaching it from a place that we ain't perfect, then in theory, at least you should be able to, to come to that sort of understanding together and work it out. You have a book called The Great Challenge. Yeah. Living a love that reconciles. Yeah. Like, can you talk a little bit about why reconciling love is so important for us and, and, and why, why you call that the great challenge? Well, the reason it's the great challenge is it's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so I, I just did, I did a study on, on, on love and unity in the Bible. This was just for kind of my own personal growth. I was, sure. there's the things that God was put on my heart and just notice, notice the pattern that as, as Jesus is commanding us to love a lot of these ways that he's specifically asking us to love bridges things that cause division. So for example, um, one of the things that divides in, in culture is this idea of privilege that you know, I have this position of authority. I have this position of of honor. Maybe it's in business, it's in a family, it's in the community. And because of that, you know, my employees exist to make me a profit. You know, my, you know, team exists to, you know, make me look good to the boss. Like we have this, uh, people exist for, for my benefit, but, but Jesus says, you know, leaders serve like you yeah. to, you want to be first, you have to be last. And he demonstrates that in John chapter 13, when he washes the disciples feet that you know you're to love this way you're to love in a way that, that serves so if we love in a way that serves it breaks down this idea of privilege that's caused divide and division and creates unity in that area and i through the book i have five different ways that jesus has called us to love and kind of the, the ultimate conclusion of the book is that that unity is the gift of love that as we love as christ has called us to love we become as one 
as I love my spouse the way that Jesus has called me to love, we become more united. As I love my kids and family the, the way that God has called me to love, we become more in unity with another. As we do in our church, you know, my church family become united. And then I think as Christians as a whole, though, there's this big picture, you know, in John 17 is Jesus calling that his followers would be one as he and the father are one. That unity is, which is not uniformity, it's, but it's, it's yeah. unity in the body of Christ. But that the pathway to get there is not just to, okay, let's, let's be united because if the point is, hey, let's be united, then all the differences come out and you try to solve all the differences that, that yeah. never resolves it. We love towards that unity and that love reconciles along the way. Well, that sounds like it's such an important topic, especially for this time where there's such a disunity and such division, you know, ha ha having that reminder of that call to unity and even that reminder from, from John 17 is so important of saying, guys, we got to work through this. We are brothers and sisters. Yeah. yeah. You know, this shouldn't be a family feud that is going on it is let's work this out. And that can only happen through reconciliation. And as you said, it's not about trying to answer and solve every single thing. Yeah. It's about coming back to just the most basic, primary, foundational understanding that you are a child of God. I am a child of God. We are brothers and sisters made in the image of God, and we are called to be one. We're going to live forever together in heaven. We might as well try to get started, you know, making it a little better right now. <laughs> yes, yes. I've just had some just fascinating conversations over the last couple of years with people outside of my denominational tribe yeah. and just sitting down around a table and not talking about our, but just like, hey, let's talk about Jesus. Like, yeah. what's the impact of Jesus in, in your life? Like, what, you know, what did your journey, journey towards Christ look like? And lifting up Jesus, Jesus is Lord, gets rid of all the junk in that. And we're able to see, and we have way, way more in common <laughs> than we have in, you know, in, in disparity. And, and after a time, you know, some of these relationships, they've been, you know, two, three years old now. And now we can have some conversations about the differences, not because, you know, mm. we're trying to, you know, sort them out, but just like, okay, tell me more about why, why you believe this, like this take on or, or this, you know, tradition that you might have. But as a friendly curiosity, not a, a debate trying to, you know, hammer it out. But it had to start with relationships. It had to start with, you know, Jesus being the center mm. and loving to that table. Yeah. Now, just imagine that we have, you know, that everybody has a story of their relationship with Jesus. Everybody has, uh, all Christians have a relationship with Jesus. All Christians have a story of life change. Yes. Literally being reborn, changed life. So, if we just went back to that as the foundation and built from there, we'd see that that uh, the things that make us the same are so more powerful and then the things that make us think differently or behave yeah. differently, you know. That's so much time, so much energy is spent on friendly fire in the yeah. Christian community. Uh, so when, true. Uh, other Christians, other, they're not my enemies. Like the Bible is very clear. It's the evil ones enemy, Satan's yeah. enemy. I mean, to seek, kill, and destroy. Like, let's focus on, on that problem. <laughs> let's turn our aim towards what yeah. matters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so one thing that we love to do on the podcast, especially when we have guests, is to find out what have you been reading or listening to lately that you would recommend? Obviously, I want to recommend to everybody check out the Great Challenge book 
Um, I appreciate that. Which we'll put in the show notes too. So you can find the link to that in the show notes. But what else have you been reading or listening to lately that you would recommend to our listeners? Uh, that's great. So I, I've been just reading two books recently. I have a, a men's group. So we do kind of a book a month and I kind of lead them cool. through it. We just read uh, Spiritual Leadership by Oswald Sanders. Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit of an older, not that old a book, but a little, little bit older. Yeah. Man, it's so good. Like I, I, yeah, read I, have, the, it, I have it on my bookshelf here, I think. Oh, do you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I love, love that one. That was really good. Um, and now I'm reading through it the second time. You know, I try to read through books, at least more recently. I would try to read through them twice. Yeah. First kind of run through, highlight stuff, and then really kind of dive into it. Totally. And then the other one is Leadership Anxiety. Hmm. And I'm going to get the guy's name wrong. This is horrible. I got It'll be in the show notes. Don't worry. It'll be in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. It was just recommended to me. And it's about in leadership, dealing with your anxiety of leadership and the people you lead their anxiety, mm -hmm. um, which is leadership. Anytime you make change, anytime you're, you're trying to move, there's anxiety in that, you know? So how do we deal with that? And it's talking about family. It goes into some counseling stuff. It's not my specialty. I, I didn't sure. quite learn that in the, the business <laughs> department. It was on state, so I'm rushing up on, on the, that terminology. But as I'm going through it, I'm, I'm recognizing some of the anxiety that I have going into leadership mm. and recognizing some ways that I could better lead my, my teams, my, my staff and stuff like that. So that was, that was a great book as well. Those, those are two things that I'm currently reading right now. Awesome. Oh, that's perfect. You could also throw my dissertation into the show notes. And you know what? I'm sure, I'm sure people would really get yeah. a... Get, Mineral um, sequestration of San Carlos olivine and atomic level reaction study. It is a page turner. You want to check that out. So... You know what? I, I, I think that would just break the internet if we put that link on there. Yeah, you know, we probably should. Let, let's leave it off. Let's, leave it off. Let's, let's keep your viewership up. So, Well, I really enjoyed talking with you, Ryan. Again, thank you so much for speaking with us at Saddleback this weekend. Uh, it was awesome. And I, I, you know, I look forward to getting to chat with you more again in the future, I hope. I really appreciate oh, your time. Man. Oh, love it. Thanks so much, Jason. I had an incredible, incredible time hanging out with you today. Awesome. Thanks, man. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events lastly you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com send us your thoughts send us your questions your bible questions your life questions whatever who knows your question might just inspire an upcoming episode thanks again for tuning in to doable discipleship i'm jason whelan and i hope you'll join us again next week